Maybe Morgan dressed like Wolverine Maybe Dave ate his way out of trouble Maybe Dustin's diorama came in last Maybe Morgan tunneled out of jail Maybe Dustin ran for council member Maybe Dave found himself horribly miscast Find out what happened Yes, find out what happened Since when last we left our Welcome to When Last We Left Our Podcast, a bi-weekly storytelling podcast hosted by me, Morgan Pielli. Me, Dave Worth. And me, Dustin Diodato. Each week we tell true life stories inspired by events that happened to us since the last time we recorded this podcast. When last we left our podcast, Dave ate everyone's cheese, Morgan got a snow crash day, and Dustin was a bad Samaritan. This week, Dave wanders at the marvels of childhood. Morgan can't talk about it, and Dustin goes to his grandmother's funeral. All right. Mine is the least teasy of teasies. Mine's the most teasy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're really teasing Ever. us there, man. Really, really teasing. Um, well, you want to <laughs> just, you want to hop in? Let's hop in. Yeah. Okay. I just hope that when we get to Morgan's story, he's just like, nope, can't talk about it. And then we, <laughs> sit, and then we sit here for 15 minutes. <laughs> just you hear the silence. microphone clatter and the door slam shut. Every yeah. so often, one of us goes, do you want to talk about it, Morgan? Nope. Can't talk about it. <laughs> but I'm a, taking my time, goddammit. <laughs> is this a spy thing? <laughs> Um, no, why don't I start with my story then? Um, so I am a dog walker. I live in Sunnyside. This comes up frequently on the podcast because the podcast is about things that happen to us in our lives. And, uh, my life is that I am a dog walker in Sunnyside, Queens. Uh, so most things happen to me that way. Um, and Sunnyside is notable for a couple things. Uh, one is that it has one of the only two uh, pu- uh, private parks in in uh, uh, greater New York um, or in the five boroughs of New York, the other being in Manhattan. Uh, and uh, people have um, strong opinions about private parks. I My opinion about private parks is mostly bafflement um, because I don't really know why you would belong to a private park in New York for a number of reasons. One, um, uh, New York has a lot of parks and they're really nice. Central Park is amazing. Forest Hills Park is amazing. Flushing Meadows Park is amazing. Prospect Park is amazing. I could go on, but, but they're re- it's, it's, New York does, is good at parks. You know what they all have though? Riff raff. Riff raff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Common and, folk. And if you don't want to be around the common folk, I'd argue that New York is not the place for you. There are there are there are uh, places you can go where um, you're not going to encounter the riffraff, but here it's you, we're on a, we're unavoidable. Darn it, you're going to see us walking your dogs. Um, so there's that as well. Uh, the other thing that I don't really understand about private parks is that uh, New York is uh, temperate for about ten minutes out of the year, uh, and the rest of the time it is scorchingly hot or freezing cold. The number of times I've thought. I should go to a park in the last 13 years that I've lived in New York has been five. <laughs> <laughs> and I work outdoors. I would know. Um, hey, can I just stop you for one second? Yeah, please. Um, just to, for the folks, folks at home, they, there's no way you would know this, but up until about two episodes, Dave's microphone had the, uh, uh, the little shield thing the for when you, yeah. Uh, and it's mostly meant so that you don't pop your peas. Uh, and of all those times, <laughs> he never told a story about a private park. 
And now that he now doesn't I'm, have it, now I'm, it's Private Park now Central. I'm spiking the hell. So, anyways, I did some pickling in this <laughs> private park with my aunt Patricia. Stop doing that um, because it is literally freaking the system out. Uh, all right. Well, I'll just refer to it as Sunnyside Park. For those of Sunnyside you left Park. out there who still have your hearing. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't really understand uh, the whys and the wherefores of this uh, setup. But, you know, uh, there's a lot I don't understand. Um, this park is in Queens. Uh, which means that as valuable as the land is, and they could make a trillion dollars selling the land. I know, I know that uh, 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 these parks are probably locked up by pretty significant contracts and, and, and clauses, but money finds a way. You could make a lot of money selling this land, uh, and they don't, which means that I guess you know, uh, being smug is more important to them than being rich. Um, that said, though, this is in Queens, which means that it is next to an, a, 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 uh, an abandoned and possibly haunted pool hall and a rail yard that is definitely haunted because that's where ghosts come from is rail yards. Right. Uh, I true. mean, like how many times have you had the conversation with somebody, Hey, we got to go get some ghosts. Let's go to the rail yard. Right. Sure. And, and pool is obviously their favorite activity. Uh, yeah. So. so it's just ghost central over there. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, why would you bring children there? It's a park. I don't know. Kids love ghosts. Uh, kids do love ghosts. That's their thing. Anyway, um, the point is, I walk dogs near this park, so sometimes I walk by this park with dogs. And on Thursday, I was walking this big orange dude uh, who was this big, goofy dog that I really like, and we walked by the park on the uh, not rail yard slash pool hall side, the, the ghost-free side. And this guy. So you went to the private park by the pool hall. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I'm not the only one popping right now. Um, uh, so, yes, we, we did all that. Um, and uh, guess, guess what the dog decided to do at the, at the private park by the pool hall? Poop. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> he decided to poop. Do you want me to get the pop cloth? It's on the mic right we're, next to me that got, we're not using. We're in so deep. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's too late now. Yeah, all right. So, I wish it were that easy. <laughs> we never go back. So uh, the dog you know, says, hey, give me a minute. I'm going to be squatting. And I say, sure thing. And I do what I normally do during uh, this process, which is I get out a bag, ready the bag, and then stare off into the distance and think about the decisions I've made <laughs> that have led me to this point. And the distance happened to be into the park because there was a, uh, there's a, there's a chain link fence at this point. You can see the entire park from there. And so I'm looking in and it's winter. So nobody's using the park except for like two little kids. And I can kind of see over by this like Soviet era, um, uh, uh, like uh, play equipment that they've got over on the far end of the park by the ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, that there's there are shadows that look like adults, or or maybe they're ghosts um, that are probably responsible for these children. But for like forty yards in every direction, it's only the kids. And I'm going to refer one of them as the big one, and one of them as the little one. Um, 
And that's really all I could discern about them. I couldn't really tell their gender. I will use the male gender pronoun, but I couldn't really tell their genders. I couldn't really tell like their exact age um, because they were bundled like crazy because it's winter. Uh, but I would put the big one at about five and the little one at about four years old. And here's what they're doing. The little one is staring intently at the ground and stamping his left foot over and over and over. And I don't have a great vantage, but I can tell he's not stamping a, uh, a puddle. Doesn't look like there's like, I mean, it's, it's winter. There's no ants out that he's like crushing or anything. He's just stamping and uh, uh, intently over and over and over and over again. And to me, that makes total sense because uh, if I remember four correctly, that's about the time you figure out that you can stamp. Mm-hmm. And the day you do that, you like go to your mom and you're like, mom, clear my schedule, <laughs> cancel all the play dates because all I'm going to be doing for the next week is stamping the stamp. Have you heard about this? <laughs> you can make noise on the ground with your foot. And if you hit it harder against the ground, it makes more noise. And if you try it in different uh, substances like mud, it makes a sucking sound. If you haven't gotten on stamping, guys, you got to get on stamping. Uh, so that's what this kid's up to, clearly. Like, four-year-old has just figured out stamping. It's going to be stamping for a while. For a while. Uh, but, nowadays, I think a lot of four-year-olds play Minecraft. But no. <laughs> they got they got ads. But there's also the stamping. stamping. There's still stamping. Um, uh, Twenty feet from the little one is the big one. The big one is staring at the little one angrily and screaming, get out over and over and over at the little one. Little one is, I mean, in a world of stamping, like he's not paying any attention. And it's, it's not specific as to what the big one wants the little one to get out of. And I don't think, I mean, like kids are, 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 are very, uh, focused on like the 20 to 30 feet around them mm-hmm. of, uh, and in that area there's nothing the kid could get out of except his own parka or something like that i, I was assuming that it was an amityville horror type situation <laughs> right and that the bigger kid was possessed possessed by a it, demon sure. yeah, yeah. And saying, get out get of out get out <laughs> um it's certainly not get out of the park though it's not get like you're not he's not in a sinkhole or something he's not, there's there's nothing he could get out of so I'm watching this for a little bit and, you know, like it goes like that for a while. It's stamp, 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 get out, stamp, 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 get out, stamp, 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 get out. And I had the thought, I spent a lot of money to study that in college. <laughs> <laughs> that you, 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 your combined age isn't even 10 and you've invented experimental theater. Um, <laughs> uh, and they're doing a great job of it. So I'm very entertained by it. Um, but after about uh, 10, 15 seconds goes by and the little one has still not acknowledged the big one or said to him, excuse me, what would you like me to get out of? The big one gets very, very angry and marches and actually marches like his, his knees up, arms swinging furiously, marches the 20 feet over to the little one and hits him as hard as he can. Like punch or like push? Like on punch. Wow, where does he hit them? Like, uh, like chest. They're they're oh, okay. fucking kids. They're not gonna like actually like 
throw an ag- like a real deal punch that could do any damage. But like he punches him. The little one takes the blow and is spun by it and swings back and hits the big one. And it's just on. It is a full on toddler fight <laughs> um, where they're trying to murder each other. And the only thing that is preventing them from murdering each other is their incompetence at it. Uh, the little one learns a hard lesson. And that is that a year or so in toddler time is a lot of development. And the big one starts to just house him. Like, just is like beating the shit out of this kid, basically. The little one, and that takes about 10 seconds for the little one to learn. Little one realizes this and takes off running towards uh, the Soviet era play equipment slash ghosts. The big one chases him and has the advantage of longer legs. So he catches up to him and just keeps running as he runs him over, knocking the kid to the ground like a linebacker so hard that the kid bounces and drops and then starts to shriek. And that's when whoever is actually in charge of these kids wakes up and gets up from the benches by the park equipment, stops talking to the ghosts and comes over and just starts screaming at them. Wow, dare you try to kill each other, I guess. Um, the dog I'm with kind of looks at me and goes, hey, I, I finished pooping. Yeah, the whole, like, as you were telling the story, I was just, I was getting the image of the dog, like, feeling obligated to poop the entire time that you were distracted. <laughs> so he had just created this giant mound of poop. <laughs> no, he, he, he just, just sort of standing there like, hey, we could go at any time. I've done my job. Um, so I, you know, picked up his poop and we went off in, in search of a... Uh, of a, a trash receptacle in which to deposit it. Um, but I was thinking as I was walking away, uh, I'm 30 year, 38 years old, and I've been married for five years, and we don't know if we want kids. And there's a lot of, like, intellectual back and forth in my head about it, and a lot of, like, sort of, like, well, you know, I feel this way about, like, resources and the management of space and time, blah, 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 and is it selfish to do X or selfish to do Y? And then there's, like, a lot of emotional entanglement of, like, but I love my niece and nephew so much, and I get an emotional, like, response to them that I only get from being around them. Like, it's not even happiness. It's, like, the joy of kinship that I just cannot in any way otherwise express. Uh, and would it be, would that be something I would get from that, uh, from having a kid? I do not know, but I do know this growing up, I was always the stomping kid (laughs) and no matter what I did, the screaming kids always found me. Maybe you could, maybe you could have a, a screaming kid. Yeah, Good, yeah, yeah. That that I mean, it, I mean, genetically, those, you're going to those have are kids. the only choices, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you get either stomp, you either get stomper Mick Weirdo who gets like smeared, or you get uh, screamy Mick Killer. I mean, you have to figure out what your wife's history was stomping or screaming, and then you can do the punish square right. to figure out exactly if it's a recessive or if it's a dominant <laughs> trait. Uh, my my wife's uh, four foot eleven, a hundred pounds. So, so she was the she was the stomper. Yeah, yeah. So it, you're gonna have a stomper. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, definitely. You just have to embrace that. Yeah. Um, invest in either soft furniture and carpeting, or mm-hmm. just mud pits. Oh, sure, sure. Um, 
That'd be my advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to you want to put all your money in mud pits. Yeah, you really want to. It's really want like to focus. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that was my account. They have a great resale too. value. <laughs> um, yeah, get all your money in mud pits worth. <laughs> uh, so that's my story. It's very poignant. I think about having kids a lot. Um, it's not even in my foreseeable future as I am single, but and I don't have nep- nieces and nephews, so I have not had that experience. And ultimately, it comes down to my family does not have the greatest genetics. I don't know that I want to continue that, which is a very like mercenary way of looking at it. No, but I, I I do know what you mean. Like my, uh, I, I don't know a family member of mine that isn't sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump into my story now. Um, and I'm going to be as delicate as I can because there's a lot I have to walk around here. Um, not this past weekend, but the weekend previous was a three-day weekend for me. We had President's Day off, and I was very excited about this. Um, I had cleared my schedule. Um, we had, I think we did relationship that, week, that Friday. So that was like the last thing I had to do. So coming back from doing that show uh, was great. We got back at like, ten, uh, or I got back at like 10 o'clock, and I was like, all right, my weekend starts. Now I have no plans that was the really cold weekend. So I knew the temperature was going to be dropping to about 10 degrees or under on Saturday. And then it was going to go around zero on Sunday. So I'm like, you know what? I've got food. I'm just going to camp out in my apartment. Maybe I'll go out to the coffee shop and I'll draw and I'll write. Or maybe I'll work on my website. There's going to be a, an artistic vacation weekend. It's very excited. Um, my therapist canceled. I wasn't able to see her because she was sick. And that sucked. But I felt like nothing has been fine. I'm not too worried um saturday during the day i had you know i'd gotten up i'd gotten dressed i was all ready to go um i was getting ready to go to the coffee shop and brave the cold and you know i you know i had my layers on i'm not crazy i had my giant jacket and i had you know a sweatshirt and i was putting together my bright red messenger bag with my computer and my mouse and all that good stuff when i got a phone call from somebody close to me in my life um And they did this thing that a lot of people who are close to me do, which is they'll start off with very, very small talk. And I can tell that the smaller the small talk, the bigger the drama bomb waiting right behind it. So they start off with this very, very small talk, and then there's a pause, and then this person who's close to me says, hey, by the way, this other person who's close to to me, to to me, Morgan, um... They're saying, this other person close to you, um, they've been creepily hitting on me a lot. And that, I didn't know about this. I didn't know that there was anything going on between these two people who are close to me. Um, And in that moment, on the one hand, I felt very bad for the person who'd called me. On the other hand, I also lost a lot of trust in that second person who's close to me. And it's someone who I've trusted implicitly in my life. I've known them for a long time. I've never, not not only have I never had a doubt that they would be above board with me, but I've never, I've never worried that I couldn't trust them with my life. So that was a troubling Saturday where I had that mulling around in my head. But the person who called me asked me not to tell this other person who's close to me about that. So I couldn't really 
talk about that. Sunday rolls around. Sunday, I'm still mulling over that conversation on Saturday. And Sunday rolls around, and I've had a reasonably productive day. I've kind of managed to put that troubling conversation out of my mind. But I've also been avoiding the other person who's close to me a little bit. And rounding out the day... I'm sorry. Sunday actually... Sunday was fine. Nothing's, <laughs> nothing happened Sunday. Um, I get through Sunday. It's fucking cold. I stay inside. Um, it's great. Saturday... Uh, Monday rolls around. The day I have off. And I get through all of Monday... And at the very end of Monday, a third person who's close to me leaves a text message while I'm in the bathroom. And the text message says, hey, just call and say hi. Call me back. That is not a great sign. I knew immediately that this was another drama bomb. I call them back. We have the smallest of small talk. And there's a pause. And this third person who's close to me says, by the way, this fourth person who's close to you, try and stay with me here. This fourth person who's close to you, they, there's something wrong with them. They're sick. And it's really bad. And it's something that we've discussed a little bit in the past. But it's much worse than we thought. And I don't know what to do about them. And I can't get them to, see, to, to seek help. And I feel helpless, and I feel frustrated, and I feel angry. Make this better, Morgan. And I'm far away from both of these people, from either of them. And once again, I've become the mediator between several people who are close to me about things that I can't talk about with any of the other people who are close to me. Because all four of these people are part of my support network. And if one thing had gone wrong with one of them, I could talk to the others about this. And my therapist is sick. That conversation was really bad, the second conversation. We were scrambling to find out what we could do about this sick person. I drawing off of what limited resources I have and both of us drawing off of the internet. That night, that third person who's close to me and myself make a series of frantic phone calls to everyone and every organization we can think of. And we all get, we both get roughly the same answer. This is extraordinarily serious. You need to call an ambulance. But if they don't want to seek treatment, there's nothing that'll be done when they're taken to the hospital, so they'll just be let go. So you have to convince them to seek treatment. How do you convince them to seek treatment? Well, that's up to you. It was a very frustrating night. Tuesday was work. <laughs> I go to work and I do my work. And I am exhausted. I got no sleep that night. Any downtime at work, I'm doing more research on the internet. And I'm sending out frantic texts and emails and Facebook messages to anyone I know who has gone through a similar experience. And they're all telling me the same thing. 
you need to get this person to seek medical care immediately. It's going to get worse. But you can't make them. They've got to do it. I talk to... Oh, and that third person who's close to me makes me promise not to tell anything to the first person who's close to me. I talk to that third person who's close to me on Tuesday afternoon. And that third person who's close to me says, hey, I sat down and talked to that fourth person who's close to Morgan. And you know what? I don't think it's that bad. We really hashed things out, and I think, I think I was just exaggerating. It's not as bad as I thought. The problem is, this particular concern, if it's not as bad as we think now, and it goes without medical care, it gets really bad. It's not the sort of thing that goes away. So we had a long back and forth as I walked around the outside of the women's bathroom at my work, hoping nobody was there to hear this very personal conversation. There was. <laughs> there was a woman in the bathroom washing her hands for what I would say is an Olympic period of time, just forever washing her hands. She would not finish washing her hands. And by the time she finished washing her hands, the conversation was over. Thursday, I have another conversation with the third person who's close to me about the fourth person who's close to me. This person is convinced that everything is probably not as bad as I think. We have the exact same conversation all over again. And I once again impress upon this person that if we don't address what's wrong medically with the fourth person who's close to me, it's going to get much, much worse and there's a limited number of ways that's going to end, and they're all very scary. Now, I imagine the story that I've been telling is very frustrating to listen to, as I've said virtually nothing. That is exactly how I felt this past week and a half, because I haven't been able to talk about this with anyone, and I've been going out of my mind with frustration anxiety, and anger. I have slept very little. I've been stress eating. I managed to pack away half of a large cheese pizza in an hour. I was immediately sick, and I did not regret the decision. So here I am. It's been a week and two days. Nothing's been resolved. I had one more conversation with the third person who's close to me, and the first person who's close to me. And in both cases, they don't really want to move on what's happening with the second person who's close to me or the fourth person who's close to me. And here I am, the focal point of all of this painful, painful drama, and I don't have anyone to share it with because it's all very personal, and I've been promised to not talk about it. That's my story, guys! <laughs> Well, if a fifth person that's close to Morgan has any ideas that can help him out. Yeah, that'd be please, great. Uh, um, please feel free to call him. Yeah. And talk about a sixth person that is close. Please. I, uh, this is how I make things about me. I kept thinking, am I one of them? No, you're not. Um, um, although there was a 
fifth person who's close to me who fit factored into all this at one point when the first person who's close to me sent me a series of cryptic text messages on Friday and I and didn't get back to me for long stretches of time before I figured out, okay, this isn't actually something terrible. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, I was on the hook thinking like, oh God, what's the new f- shoe that's going to drop? There's a third shoe? How is there a third shoe? Um, yeah, I mean... I have when people sometimes, yeah, sometimes people swear me to secrecy on stuff and I say, sure. And then I lie to them. Yeah. And I've, I, I've, I, I'm willing I, to do that. I just straight up tell, uh, tell people who don't know them. I, I've, I've told Lynn what's been going on. Um, cause I, I, at a certain point I held off because I knew she was heading out to LA and I felt bad troubling her, but I was. I was really going out of my mind. Like it was getting, I was really in a bad place and I needed to just like, just even through text, tell someone. And she was very supportive. And then I finally met with my therapist last, this past weekend. And the conversation went as it had with every other expert I talked to saying, you really need to make this person seek medical attention immediately. Good luck with how. <laughs> um, yeah. And I can't get into any of that. The, I can't get into the medical stuff. I can't get into who these people are. And it's, I'm right now, my focus is since I've done literally everything I can from my remote perch in New York, I need to figure out how to manage going forward in a way where I don't lose my mind or my health. Um, Because none of this is going to be resolved anytime soon. Um, Not even in the distant future. This is all long-term shit. That is now a fun thing I get to enjoy. Good luck. Thanks. I'm sorry. I okay. hope I didn't mean to. No, <laughs> no. It's, it, but it is funny sometimes, like, life will just dump all that shit yeah, in your lap. And, like, all at once. Uh, sometimes it's very fast. Like, you'll see, you'll be, you'll, you'll, the doors will close on the subway and you'll be pulling out and you'll just see somebody fall over. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, that happened. Mm-hmm. Are they dead? I did. And I'll never yeah. have a resolution on it. Yeah, yeah and you'll I, never know. Well. All right, now is it time for my uplifting story? It sure is. Yeah, <laughs> raise us up. Okay, so two weeks ago, it was a uh, Friday. Um, and it was one of those days where everything was coming up Millhouse. Like it was, <laughs> um, my uh, I belonged to like a video game club, if you will. And we made the playoffs and we were happy and we were playing a game. And to celebrate, we bought cupcakes. And uh, a lot of peas in that sentence. Uh, what Play- were they? Playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's cupcakes. True. Uh, just so point, just pointing that out. Oof, ah man. Uh, so we were in the middle uh, of a game that we were winning. Uh, everybody was really sort of happy, um, and I get a phone call uh, from Joy, uh, who had gotten a phone call from my uncle Mike, um, saying that my grandmother had passed away. Um, which um, my uncle Mike has started, or like ever since my mom died, um, he doesn't call or communicate with me. He calls and communicates with joy. So his first instinct when my grandmother died was to call joy. <laughs> so, um, my brother's the exact same way. He calls my wife. Yeah. I don't like, I, so I mean, in my case, my wife is much more likable than me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so we were mid game. So I had to be like, Oh, okay. Like, uh, and hop back in the game. And the people I was with were like, Oh, is everything okay? And it's like, yeah, my, my grandmother died. So, so not, not totally. Um, uh, and only one of the people there heard it. Um, so the other guy was like, all right, well, when are we going to do practice? And the guy who had heard it was like, well, that was a quick change of subject. (laughs) Um, and I like, he didn't even hear the other guy didn't even hear that. So it wasn't until like 
two weeks later that he was like, oh, I didn't hear, I didn't know, like, <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, so anyway, uh, um, when I got home, Joy sort of told me the full story uh, that my Uncle Mike had given her. And basically, um, on that particular, or a, a couple of days prior to that, my uh, one of my um, cousins, I guess, it is, relative, I'm going to say cousin, but I don't really know because it's one of those, like, through grandparents, kind of weird thing, um, had this premonition that my grandmother was going to die. And she had like done that a couple of times before, so everybody took it like really seriously. Um, so normally they go there around 4 o'clock, um, like once a week, and they decided, okay, they were going to go there this day, but let's go there a little bit earlier. So they went there around 2. Um, and for the last, like, few months my grandmother basically like been on morphine and not really there so um th- this was the case that day but she could kind of see them and she could kind of smile when they came in but did not really communicate um so you yeah, so they got there and two or so and sat with her for a while um and then around 305 i think they said it was um she passed away like while holding her son's hand uh, you know, and they all kind of watched it and, um, I guess it was a good way for her to go, but still pretty intense for them. Um, and my uncle Mike, I feel bad because he was also there when my grandfather got a heart attack, um, and tried to give him CPR to keep him alive. So like he was literally there the second both of his parents died, which has got to be like real intense. And like, that's not a thing that's supposed to happen. Um, so, uh, for, you know, um, we got a, Joy got a text message later that day <laughs> telling us when the, uh, uh, the services were going to be, and we had kind of a, a week, uh, to, you know, before it was going to happen. And, you know, I did the, the only thing that you do nowadays is I posted on Facebook because I don't <laughs> know what else you're supposed to do. Um, and got a ton of, you know, nice remarks and all that. And, uh, one of the people said, like, oh, that's a very nice tribute to your grandmother. I, and it was, like, a two-paragraph thing. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, that's, like, like you could have written that about anybody. I couldn't think of the right thing to say because I knew that she was, like, this, you know, awesome, strong, wonderful lady. But I couldn't put – I couldn't find the words for it. I didn't know what to say. So I just said that she was cool and sort of moved on. Um but I appreciated everything that everybody had said. So the Thursday um, for the, I guess the, it's like wake and then funeral. Is that right? Like the wake is the, like when you just go visit and funeral is like the last thing that they do right before the burial. Is that factually accurate? I don't know. I thought a, I thought I a wake was if you didn't have a body. I thought a wake was like the, the closest analog was reception. Oh. And the uh, funeral is the wedding. Okay. Yeah, let, let's go with that. Yeah. That either good. way. So, so the Thursday was the wake. Friday was the funeral. Um, and my dad came to pick uh, me up, and then we picked up Joy along the way. Uh, and it was the same funeral home and same room where we went to for my mom. So it had that weird sort of like, this is where we go when people die kind of feel to it. Like mm. it was like, it, you just shouldn't do that. Like you should s- s- 
switch it up or something like that. Right. You know, check the records. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like not the exact same place. Yeah. Um, I mean, that particular funeral home only had that room. Mm-hmm. You know, and they had already booked it or whatever. Um, so we went in there, and it was a lot of relatives that I hadn't seen in a very long time because I had lived with my grandmother until and my mom uh, until I was twelve, and then I moved. So. 90% of the people that I was seeing, I was seeing for the first time since I was 12. Uh, and they were seeing my dad for the first time since I was like one. Because he and my, uh, and my mom got divorced when I was one. Uh, one of the benefits of being visually impaired uh, is that you can get away with sitting in one place and having people come to you. <laughs> um, and introducing themselves to you because they don't know how blind you are <laughs> so otherwise i would have been screwed because i was like i don't know who most people are <laughs> like i knew who you were i knew who they were but i didn't know like names because it had been you know like 20 something years uh so uh i would i would sort of sit there and people would come by and tell stories um but the weirdest part of it to me was the fact that they all liked my dad which I didn't think they were going to because um, like when they knew my dad, both he and my mom were heroin addicts and my mom was not like a great fun loving heroin addict. She was, you know, like, like you see on TV in the bad kind of way. So I had always assumed that like he was the male version of that. And I was like, well, why would you like that guy? Like <laughs> that guy was a low life, um, which I, ultimately said to him <laughs> later that day. Uh, and he's like, no, I wasn't. Like, I, I like, you know, uh, apparently, like, he really kept his shit together despite being a heroin addict. Um, had his own business and all that and just realized he should turn things around. Um, so they all respected him in a way that I did not think that they would. So um, people kept uh, coming up to me and telling me stories about, you know, all this different stuff and, you know, um, apologizing and saying, you know, I'm so sorry about your grandmother and all that. Uh, and one of the things that struck me was somebody coming up and saying, um, we were so happy when you moved out, which like is a weird, like was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to need you to go ahead and elaborate on that. <laughs> Cause that, that seems like a douchey thing to say. Uh, but they all knew what was going on with, uh, my, with my mom. So they knew how kind of stressful that could be. Uh, and the point that they were trying to get at was they knew that I would have a better life with my dad who had cleaned up and been away from my mom. But, uh, and that had always been a weird contentious thing for me. Like I was happy to move in with my dad, but like, for a while, I had assumed that like he had um, grabbed uh, custody. Um, and then uh, a few years back, I found out that no, she had asked him to take me. And I was like, that's, that's fucked up. Like, you know, I thought you liked me. Why were you trying to get rid of me? Um, and as I was hearing the story from uh, one of my relatives, um, it was because she knew that I would have a better life with my dad than I would with her. Um, 
and I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective, you know, because I saw all the pictures of her taking care of me as a kid, and I realized that, like, you know, you were talking about having kids and that connection and, and kinship um, that you feel, and it that's when it sort of dawned on me that, like, she probably didn't want me to go, but she knew that the right thing for me to do was to go. So despite, like, what her heart wanted, she said, you know what, go do this. And I was like, that's, that's brave and strong, mm. you know? That's mm. what I probably should have written about, but I didn't realize it. Uh, I didn't, um, I don't go up to the body at those sorts of things because it's, like, way too intense for me. Like, I can't do it. I didn't do it. Um, when my mom passed, uh, I didn't do it. I did it when my grandfather passed, but I was like 10. So I didn't really appreciate it. And I couldn't do it here. I always just sit in the back of the room, um, and watch other people. But Joy really wanted to go up. So I did like a drive-by and even like the drive-by was like so kind of powerful and weird. And it sort of put me in my own headspace and I, you know, got me thinking back to her and, and all that and what she must have been going through when I moved. And I started thinking about my grandfather who had passed. Um, I thought my grandfather was old when he died because I was young, but he was 63, which is not particularly old to die. He had retired a year prior. And she lived for 25 more years than he did, you know? And I... I was sitting there next to Joy and thinking, like, if she died, I don't know that I'd live 25 more days. Like, like I couldn't imagine that, you know. Uh, and I don't know. I just, it really struck me as, like, because she was a person who, on paper, had not done anything miraculous, you know. There was nothing in the in the paper. My Uncle Mike didn't put, you know, an obituary or anything in there. Um but she'd sort of struggled so much in her life and had to overcome losing her husband so early and having a kid who was a drug addict and having, you know, raising her grandson like it was her own kid and then having to give him up. Um, like, she was pretty fucking awesome. And I wish I'd been better about writing that on the stupid Facebook page uh, and appreciating it. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my story. It's hard, especially in the immediate aftermath, to be thinking clearly. I mean, writing anything right after something like that, it takes time to process those yeah. thoughts and feelings. Um, also, it's fucking Facebook. I mean, it... Oh, I know. Also, who gives a shit about I know. It, it's just, like... It, it, it's it's a weird... I, I, my biggest regret is not the Facebook thing. You no, know? I understand. Um, but, like, you want... Like, you want people to understand who she was because there there is definitely that sense of like, um, not closure. Closure is the wrong word, but there's definitely that sense of like, what is what's what's there now to remember that person from, you know? Um, and there were a handful of people who had met her, and like their comments to me were like that much more meaningful because they had experienced her and she had touched them in some way. Uh, 
but I don't know, like it, it makes you mess with your own mortality and go like, if I, you know, if I disappear, like, wh- like what's there? What's of significance? Will people appreciate what I was or anything like that? And wrapping back to you know, Facebook, whenever I get it, whenever I put up a status and it gets like less than 10 likes, I'm like, what will, am I appreciated? <laughs> Are these the people who will speak of me when I die? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, and yes, that was are. that one of the most sobering experiences that I had at a set of funerals was I lost a lot of my extended family when I was very young, but they were in their 80s. Um, but I remember when my dad's parents died, it was an enormous Italian funerals, like tons of people there. And when my mom's parents died, it was one or two people at mm-hmm. both their funerals. And it's it was just a, such a stark reminder of not everyone makes the same impact on people and... I think it's, your grandmother made a tremendous impact, and I don't think you need to write. And you will have time if you want to rewrite something or write something else or write something longer. Yeah. But you don't need to because it, she already wrote that by touching so many people and having such a huge impact. Well, thank you. That's a nice thought. <laughs> You're very welcome. All right, I think that uh, I think that about does it for this week. Dry your yeah. eyes, listeners, and also, <laughs> also your ears, because you might be bleeding out of them from all the pops. Um. <laughs> All right. It really hurts, hurts um, so much. I mean, you you literally broke the audio board once already. Let's, I, let's try not yeah, to go my, for two. My larfing Yelp. Um, well, uh, gosh, guys, uh, thank thanks everybody for listening, and um, and and thanks everybody for storytelling. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye bye, folks. Bye. Rate us on iTunes. <laughs>